Hey guys, welcome to the All Jacked Up podcast. I am your host, Dana Jenkins, and I am all jacked up in all kinds of good ways. Everything we talk about on this podcast is going to come from a place of us being all jacked up about Jesus. But more importantly, everyone on this podcast, whether it's me, your host, or someone we're interviewing, we're all jacked up and need Jesus. So if you're all jacked up, you're in the right place. What's up, what's up, brothers and sisters? Hey, you guys remember that old song? It was like, brothers and sisters, pump up the volume, pump up the volume, dance, dance. Brothers and sisters, pump up the volume. Yeah, you are welcome because that was an awesome song and now hopefully it's stuck in your head. So, man, brothers and sisters, pump up the volume. Man, I hope everybody's doing great. Welcome back to the podcast. We're going to start the podcast off today by me asking you guys a question. So here you go. Have you ever had to be told something several times before you believed it? (laughs) I feel like I've spent half of my life in that place where it's like, say that again. I want to hear it one more time because I'm having a little trouble believing it. Um, I can actually remember being told by my athletic trainer, Cassandra Phillips, like good, just stinking good woman. But after I was fired from my coaching job, she, uh, she said, man, God's got something bigger for you. I think her actual words were, if this is what God takes away from you after you surrender to his will, I can't wait to see what he will replace it with. And I'm not going to lie. That took me a while to get my head wrapped around that because, holy cow, I wanted to believe it. I wanted to trust what she said was true, but it also, if I'm being honest, it also felt like it was easier to believe the opposite. And if I don't know if you guys are anything like me, but I do that with God all the time. So for me, it always seems like or feels like it's easier to believe that God has a plan for somebody else. It's easier for me to tell somebody else to trust God at his word because won't he do it? Like, yeah, I honest to goodness, I, when I when I counsel people or minister to people or tell them like, hey, God's got a plan for you. And there's no doubt that that his plan, as long as we're following him and and seeking his will, man, we, we can't mess that up. But again, like if you're anything like me, for for whatever reason, I seem to doubt that when it comes to me. I believe it for everybody else. But when it comes to me, I struggle with it a little bit. So we know that God's plans are good, and he is always faithful. And, you know, we we fully believe it when we're telling others. But does doubt ever have a way of creeping in when it comes to you? So here's what I know. Every time we doubt, we need someone in our corner saying to us, won't he do it? And, and saying it with like a little sass too, like, right? Like, mm, girl, won't he do it? Won't he provide? Won't he show up? Won't he be faithful? Won't he do it? Right? Yes. So <laughs> the funny thing is, as I'm saying this out loud, I, I laugh because um, I, I might need someone in my corner saying this to me when it comes to my dating life. <laughs> So for some of you that may or may not know, I am single and my dating life could be, let's just, let's go ahead and put it out there. It could be a stinking comedy routine. Okay. So (laughs) 
Um, I, I got, we're going to chase a squirrel real quick, but it's, it's funny. This is a true story that happened a couple weeks ago, but it is too good not to share with others because and the crazy thing, I don't even have to embellish on this story. Like it's, it's true. And sometimes cr- truth is crazier than fiction. So anyway, let, let me set this up for you. So a couple weeks ago, I'm at a gas station middle of the day. I think it's maybe 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning and I'm trying to fill up my Jeep. I have a uh, an old 95 Jeep Wrangler that, oh my goodness, like I just love that Jeep. So this guy comes driving up beside me. Again, middle of the day, broad daylight, comes driving up beside me and gives me a little honk and he says, hey, you want to sell your Jeep? And I laugh and I say, ah, you know, no thanks. I love this thing. And so we start talking about, you know, what year is it? How long have you had it? And so we're talking all kinds of Jeep stuff. And, and uh, you know, he knows his Jeep stuff. So I'm into it, and it's conversation's good. And, again, like, I'm still trying to just put gas in my Jeep and, and just go. So then he says, hey, did you forget your ring? And confused by this because I'm like, are we still talking about Jeep stuff? Um, he says, are you single? I laugh and say, yes, yes, I am. In my head going, you've got to be kidding me. This is happening right here at a gas station. Oh, my goodness. So he proceeds to act astonished, and he's like, how in the world are you not married? You're a doll. And he says this like five times. (laughs) Like, he just keeps repeating, you're a doll. And so at this point, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. So I'm really just trying to finish up and get in the Jeep and, hey, hey, nice to meet you, whatever. So he continues talking to me. And uh, so at this point, you know, like, I, I don't even I don't even know why I'm still standing there, to be honest with you. I don't know. A glutton for punishment, maybe. But at this point, he's still talking to me. And he says, oh, he said, you know, you look athletic. Like, you look really in shape. And uh, mind you, let me tell you what I had on this this morning. I was just running errands. Uh, hadn't showered yet because I had Bible study that night, so I was going to work out and shower later. So I had on baggy sweatpants, a t-shirt with a sweatshirt over it. A my hair hasn't been washed; it's in a messy bun. Um, not a an ounce of makeup on. Like homegirl was looking wretched. Okay, so when he's like, "Oh, hey, you look like you're in shape," I'm like, "Dude, I'm in baggy pants and a sweatshirt," but. Okay, anyway, on to the story. So he says, hey, did you play sports? And again, I laugh and I'm like, "Ah, yeah, I used to play softball. So then he tells me about his sport days. And he says, I was a big hockey player back in the day. And then he asks, he says, do you know how you can tell a true hockey player? Well, of course, you know, I say, no, how can you tell a, a true hockey player? And instantly I regret this, right? Because at this moment, he proceeds to use his thumb to pop out the whole top half of his teeth. Like every tooth in the top half of his head, he, he, he takes them out. Like takes them out. It's in his hand. And he's like, ah, he's like, this is how you know a true hockey player. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So this dude, yeah, I mean, pops his teeth out of his mouth. Like, I'm standing there, and I'm not speechless very much. Like, that that very rarely happens. But at this moment, I'm speechless. So I'm stunned, not really sure where to go from here. But here's the thing. As soon as he puts his teeth back in his mouth, <laughs> he says, you're a doll. Let's have coffee sometime. How does next week sound? <laughs> I kid you not. Like, the crazy thing is, I can't even make this stuff up. 
Like, I'm not even, my imagination is pretty good, but it is not good enough to completely make a story like this up. So, that literally happened. I mean, it, it literally happened. So, won't he do it? Crazy thing is, I at this point in my dating life, I, I don't know if I want him to do it. I don't know if I want him to do anything. Oh, and if you're wondering what happened, we have not gone out to coffee, but... Um, and don't judge me. No judging, okay? The uh, All Jacked Up podcast is a no-judgment zone. But I did give my number to him, so there's that. So <laughs> we'll see where that goes. Maybe if we meet for coffee, maybe he brings his teeth. I, I don't know. It was, like, it was like a magic trick he was doing. He was very proud of himself, but... Okay. Um, anyway, we gotta get back to uh, we gotta get back to the question at hand. All right. <laughs> How many times does God have to tell you something before you trust Him? So in Exodus four, we see Moses kind of going through this. God has just told Moses that He will lead the Israelites out of Egypt, and most of chapter four is Moses going, "Say that again." Like Moses is going, man, you know, like I I get it. You're laying out this plan, but I I don't know that I'm your guy. I don't know that, that I am capable of doing this. I think the plan is too big. I think I'm too small. Like, so Moses is really going, wait, what? So God's laid out a game plan for Moses in detail. And we see Moses hesitant in trusting that plan. Moses actually asked God, he says, what if they, meaning the Israelites, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And God had already addressed that. We see in chapter 3, verse 18, God had already told Moses, hey, the elders will listen to you. So he had already addressed one of Moses' first hesitations, but God still tries to give Moses some comfort in the plan. So Moses seems like a show-me kind of guy, right? So God proceeds to show Moses. He he does things like um, he takes Moses' staff and he turns it into a snake. Um, And then he makes his hand leprous and then back to normal again. And so reading part of the story, I can only assume that Moses wanted to trust God because he continued to ask him what if scenarios. But at a certain point, Moses has to trust and go. And I think we've all been to that place where we either trust and go or we second guess and stay. And so right now, where are you? Has God given you a plan that seems too big, uh, makes you feel like you're, you're not capable enough to, to follow through with it? Or it's just maybe it's so big it's overwhelming. Or maybe there's so many what ifs. You know, what ifs can be very scary because if you're a planner like me, holy smoke, like what ifs and not knowing how things are going to turn out, like that's a, that's a big stressor. Um, I know for me, one of my biggest trust and go moments was going into ministry. And on top of going into ministry, doing it with FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So I knew that God was calling me into ministry, but I had so many what ifs. And I mean, my what ifs went along like, what if my past disqualifies me from doing ministry? What if I can't raise the money to be on staff? What if I'm not knowledgeable enough to be in ministry? But the crazy thing is I saw God's provision and still had doubts, just like Moses. Um, The crazy thing is I was actually praying for God to make it crystal clear I was supposed to go into ministry and do it with FCA. And as I'm waiting to hear from God, I get a phone call out of the blue. 
I mean, completely unprompted, out of the blue. It's a guy I have never met before, and he opens the conversation with, are you Dana Jenkins? <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, I'm always a little bit nervous to say yes quickly. <laughs> Because uh, a part of me wants to go, yeah, who are you? And, and, and wait a minute, how do you know me? What do you want? There's there's a lot of questions, right? So this guy goes on by saying he has a daughter that plays softball, and he heard I was thinking about coming on staff with FCA softball. So I told him I was praying about it, but really, I was being pretty stubborn, and I was actually trying to tell God, God, I think you got the wrong person for this. I can't do this because I can't raise the money to be a missionary. Like, there's just no way. It is way out of my comfort zone. This is, God, I think you're looking for somebody else. This, this, this is not my next step. But this guy, again, who I don't know, never met, he says that he would love to have FCA softball in his area. He actually lives about 45 minutes from me. And he proceeds to tell me that he will give to FCA on my behalf for $100 a month. Now, at FCA, we call that a monthly partner, and I was learning what monthly partners were, but I had yet to make my first ask. I was still freaking out because I had to raise money to be on staff for FCA, and I was thinking, there is no way. I know nothing about that. How am I going to do that? But here's the thing. Won't he do it, right? (laughs) Won't he do it? So I was praying, God, make it crystal clear for me that this is where you want me. And God makes it crystal clear. And I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even going to lie to you guys. Even after that, I still had moments of, of just doubting, of going, God, is this really, is this really from you? And, and, and can I really do this? And are you really going to, are you really going to provide? Are you really going to be faithful? So man, reading this whole thing about Moses, I can completely identify with him. Um, but gosh, won't he do it, right? So God used so many things to show me, just like he showed Moses, that his plan was the best plan. But don't miss this. God did reach a point with Moses where he was done talking and Moses needed to trust and go. In verse 13, Moses actually pleads with God by saying, oh Lord, please send someone else. In verse 14, it says, then the Lord's anger burned against him, meaning the Lord's anger was burning against Moses. But here's what I love. Even Moses and all of his doubt and all of his questions could not mess up God's plan. God's plan was to use Moses, and he did. He just used Moses with the help of his brother Aaron. So what do we take from this? You know, because I think at some point, we're all going to struggle with doubt. We're all going to be in a place where we either trust and go or we second guess and stay. So what do we take from this? So here's three things that have really kind of come up in my reading and and three things I think about when I find myself really kind of struggling and wrestling with doubt. And uh, the first thing is, and this might be the most important, is we can't stay in isolation. You have to surround yourself with a community of believers, not just good people. Don't surround yourself with just good people that love you. It has to be something more. It has to be, yes, good good people, but it has to be people that, that love Jesus and that are seeking him and are pursuing him um, and, and completely trust him. That's who you've got to surround yourself with. Um, I, I think in the Bible, we see a ton of people succumb to doubt because they worked through it alone. 
I mean, let's just take the first story we read about in Genesis. Eve, she was alone with a serpent. And in one, you can say, well, she wasn't really alone. Listen, we don't want to be alone and say, oh, I wasn't alone because I was with the serpent. No, that's, that's not what we're looking for. But um, she was alone in the garden. Like Adam wasn't there. She worked through that whole thing herself because when she came to Adam, she had already made up her mind. She was actually convincing him to take a bite. So the whole time that the serpent is really working on Eve, she's working through that doubt alone. Whereas I think if she, she could have gone to Adam and they both could have worked through it together and said, hey, you know what, man, it, it does sound pretty enticing, but hey, remember, this is what God said. So um, I, I think we also see something like that in Judges chapter 6. We see Gideon, the story of Gideon. Um, we see Gideon on the threshing floor when an angel of the Lord appeared to him to say, hey, you are going to save your people. And Gideon was like, what? I'm the least of, of these, and my tribe is the least of all the tribes. And again, God, you got the wrong guy, and, and I'm not big enough, and, and I'm not you know, uh, well-equipped, and I'm not capable enough, and this, this isn't going to work. And so God was um, you know, very, gosh, patient and uh, showed Gideon sign after sign. And um, the last example I want to show, and this is in Genesis 17, is Sarah and Abraham. And you're thinking, well, Sarah and Abraham weren't alone. They had each other. And um, let me let me talk a little bit about that. I know with me being single, I know for all the married people out there, they're like, oh my gosh, you're single. Please stop talking about marriage. You know nothing about it. Um, you're right. I have not been married, and I don't know what it's like to be in a marriage. But I spend time doing ministry with married people um, all the time, and, and I spend time on staff with married people, so it's not a, a completely foreign uh, um, subject to me, but with Sarah and Abraham, when God appeared to them and said, hey, you guys are going to have a son, both of them on separate occasions laughed at God. Now, here's what we, we I don't know this for sure, but the, the Bible doesn't say this, but we don't see Sarah and Abraham as a couple seeking counsel from other godly men and women. So here's the thing. Marriage is awesome. It's incredible. It is a, a, a union like nothing else. Um, I mean, it is, my goodness, God uses marriage to show us how committed he is to the church, right? So uh, marriage is, is uh, it, it's a beautiful thing. But I am also a firm believer that even in a good, godly marriage where both people are pursuing God and you're pursuing God with your spouse, I still think it's important for the, the wife to surround herself with godly women and the husband to surround himself with godly men. So I, I think it's important for us to, to surround ourselves with a community of believers. So I think that's it's huge. Do not stay in isolation. The second point I want to hit on is I am a big believer in leaning into the doubt. I, um, I, I think that doubt can be an incredible growth tool as long as you lean into it and research it. Because when you lean into doubt, it can give you brand new knowledge that you're thinking, holy cow, I've, I've never really looked at it this way. But for me, leaning into it, it means that you've got to lean in to God's word 
Figure out what the Bible says about whatever it is that you're doubting or lean into God's people. Again, it kind of goes back to us surrounding ourselves with the right community of believers. Um, I think when we seek to understand where that doubt is coming from, um, we can then speak truth into it. And so I think really leaning into that doubt because, again, some of us may have doubts about stuff and then we just kind of go, huh? Yeah, I don't really know. I don't really know how that's going to work out. And I just, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to doubt it. Right. And it's, I don't think it's healthy. I think it's healthy to have doubts, but I don't think it's healthy to stay there. Right. So, um, yeah, lean into it, research it, figure out what God has to say about it. And then finally, the third point we're going to hit on is just honestly, and this sounds so simple, but it's so true. Remember God's faithfulness. So it seems as though we all have short-term memory when it comes to how God has shown up for us in the past. And I think that most of us, like, we're like, oh, no, 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 it's not that I forget. I think we think we're really good at remembering, but are we remembering the right things? So I've coached girls for a long, long time. And one of the things that I know that I know that I know from coaching girls is I can say two negative comments and eight positive comments. And you know what? The girls will remember the two negative comments way before they remember anything positive I said to them. And honestly, like I can't even get mad at them because I'm the exact same way. Like, I don't know what it is, but for, for us, I feel like just, and maybe it's just because we're flawed, right? Maybe it's, it's just, you know, that's the reason why we need Jesus. If we had it all figured out, we wouldn't need them. Right. But we're flawed. And so I think just our, in our human nature, it seems easier to believe the bad and to really kind of just stay there instead of going, hey, there were two negative comments, but there were eight positive things. So I'm going to live in those positive things. I'm going to remember the eight things that coach said to me that I was doing really well. And, and I'm going to work on those two negative things. But as we know, um, I don't know if guys are like this when, when you coach guys, but man, girls, holy smoke, you give them uh, a couple of negative comments and um, man, they'll put that in their back pocket and just hang on to it um, for weeks, for months, maybe for seasons. You know, I still have some kids <laughs> coming up to me going, hey, you remember that one time you told me um, that, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, that one time you told me, dude, you're married with five kids right now. Like, I must have coached you 13 years ago. They're like, yeah, but you remember that one time you said this? I'm like, oh my gosh. No, I don't. So, um, but yes, I, I think for us, remembering God's faithfulness, it's huge. Because, and whether that's, you know, if you journal, awesome. I'm a terrible um, journaler. I want to be really good at it, but my handwriting is bad and I forget to write stuff down. And But I just think, find a way to keep God's faithfulness in front of you. Um, so I, I really, I feel like doubt, you know, when we talk about doubt. It's as old as time itself. And honestly, I really believe it is one of the devil's favorite tools. It's how he got Eve in the garden, and honestly, I really feel like it's how he gets us to second-guess what God has already said, right? God's already laid it out. His word is good. His word is is truth, and and for us, like, man, are, are we going to believe it and trust and go, or shoot, are, are we going to second-guess and stay? But wrestling with doubt, that's a completely normal thing. That's not bad. 
It's not bad. So the, the having doubt and wrestling with it, not a bad thing at all. Staying there and not trying to, to work through it, I think that's when we get into trouble. So just make sure you have a good tag team around you. Oh, man, tag team. Hey, you guys remember old school wrestling? I think there used to be a, an old tag team wrestling group called the Rock and Roll Express, baby. So, uh, but you got, you got to have people in your corner. When you are ready to, to tap out, man, slap that hand of somebody that's in your corner when you've had enough. And, uh, man, make sure it's someone that you can share your doubts with, your struggles with. Because sometimes we just need to hear, won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it, man? Won't he do it? And uh, the answer is yes, he will. And he has, and, and he will continue to do so. So, um, guys, I hope this was helpful. Um, I pray that you guys have a good week. And uh, as always, here is to spending the rest of the week all jacked up. Mm-hmm.